I'm Jonathan Goldstein, host of Wiretap. Each week you're invited to listen in on my telephone conversations, whether funny, sad, wistful, or even slightly strange. You never know just what you might hear on Wiretap. Uh, I mean, I knew you had a show. I just, I just didn't think that people actually listened to it. Howard, That's you... the breath of your genius, Jonathan. It's not just that you're funny, but you can be cripplingly, poignantly depressing. The Wiretap Archives, available on CBC Listen, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This podcast is an extended version of The Debaters, which may contain more mature themes. To stream the radio-friendly version of this episode, download the CBC Listen app or go to cbc.ca slash the debaters. And thanks for listening to the CBC. Hey, Canada, we always know what's up. From CBC Toronto near the Up Express train, it's the Debaters! The Debaters, where comedians fight with facts and funny, and this audience picks the winner. Now here's a man who is trained to crack you up, Steve Patterson! We're right here in Toronto, a city steeped in history. Yep. You might not know this, Torontonians, or care, but Toronto was the scene of an epic battle in 1885. A group of firefighters got into a brawl with some traveling circus clowns. True story, and it turned into a full-scale riot which I'm guessing the firefighters won because every time the clowns pulled the old squirt in the face with water from this flower, firefighters responded with a full throttle fire hose (laughs) that would have at the very least washed the clown's makeup off and forced all 50 of them to retreat in one Volkswagen Beetle. (laughs) Now, are you ready to meet two debaters who we hope are ready to clown around? What do you say, Toronto? I'm looking forward to this one. This comic thinks that if Einstein was a hip-hop artist, his stage name would have been E equals MC Hammer squared. It's Corner Gas's Eric Peterson! (laughs) Eric Peterson! There he is, making his way to the stage. To my left, he's ready. And this comic's only beef is the one steak left in his freezer. It's also Corner Gas's Lorne Cardinal. We got ourselves a Corner Gas off. Lorne looking smelt and ready as he glamorously makes his way to my right. He has a beautiful jacket that I want to feel. <laughs> All right. Your topic is about two foods that can be found at most corner gas shops. (laughs) Peanuts versus pretzels. Which is the more delicious snack? (laughs) The snack that rules in my house, frankly, is goldfish crackers. (laughs) Matter of fact, I'm still finding some that my oldest daughter, Scarlett, dropped in the car years ago. Which is weird, because when my youngest daughter, Nora, finds them, she eats them. (laughs) I know. I know, it's a little gross. But let this be a lesson to anyone out there searching for that something special that brings them joy. There are plenty of fish in the seat. (laughs) Now, there's a long walk. There's a long walk, and thank you to those who came on it with me. 
Now let's meet a couple debaters who are ready to fish around for some tasty comedy gold. So, whereas a pretzel's size, texture, and matching dips are all yours to choose, be it resolved, pretzels are the superior snack to peanuts. Eric, you are arguing for this, please, my friend. You have two minutes. Starting now, Eric Peterson. This pretzels versus peanuts superior snack debate <laughs> is long overdue. <laughs> Too often lost in the fog of human idiocy debating climate change, interest rates, <laughs> and the Alberta insurgency. <laughs> We've ignored this crucial issue that we do battle here tonight, Lauren and I, for make no mistake. In battling and debating pretzels versus peanuts, we debate nothing less than good versus evil. <laughs> pretzels are the creation of pious, medieval monks crafted from simple flour, water, and salt in a shape representing a child's arms folded in prayer. <laughs> Though a humble example of devotional art when compared to Michelangelo's Pieta or the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, nonetheless, they are expressive of our human longing for holiness and virtuous perfection. <laughs> the peanut <laughs> is the antithesis of such human ingenuity and aspiration. It is the sordid spawn of a grubby little self-fornicating plant. <laughs> which nurtures its nasty nuts. <laughs> Far from the light in the dark and dirty dirt of its root system. Nor does its vileness stop there. Pee nuts. The very name implies urine and gonads. <laughs> Synonymous with small and cheap, and floors covered with the debris of peanut shell husks. But the peanut's most heinous crime is that it isn't. Peanuts are a fraud, often called goobers, which rhymes with boogers, <laughs> and reminds us, though posing as a nut, it's not. It's a legume. <laughs> a dirty, little, lying, lecherous, loosh, larcenous lout of a legume. <laughs> Whereas the virtuous pretzel is authentically itself. You see its shape, you hear its crunch, you taste in transcendent celebration, the transmogrification of its starches into sugars. Hallelujah! <laughs> 
Halleluja, Halleluja, Halleluja. Eric Peterson. Wow. A masterful opening argument on behalf of a pretzel. He's talking about pretzels. Now, for a man who's ready to get cracking and honey roast his opponent in front of all of you, it's Lorne Cardinal. Ah, peanuts. Grown in the earth, these lovely little legumes help lower cholesterol, strengthen the immune system, and protect against diabetes. Peanuts are basically superheroes. They are a powerhouse of protein. There's even a peanut milk, eight grams of protein per glass. Now imagine choking back a big, dry, chunky, throat-ripping goblet of pretzel milk. <laughs> huh? And speaking of drinking, these low-down, pathetic pretzel degenerates are usually found hanging out in dive bars, promoting thirst, binge drinking, and bad decisions. <laughs> and pretzels, they're coated in lye, the same stuff used in soap, drain cleaner, and dissolving carcasses. Mmm, bon appetit! This unwholesome little death snack is so twisted and deceitful, it can't even get its origin story straight. They all sound like horrifying fairy tales where some children end up slowly baking in an oven. Like Hansel and Pretzel. There are stories of Italian monks in 600 AD using pretzels as rewards to children for saying their prayers. Of course, there's no documented evidence to confirm this story, which is odd, considering the church is usually so open about stories involving children. <laughs> but I digress. Judas! shared half a pretzel with Jesus in the painting of the Last Supper. And we all know how that turned out. <laughs> you are dangerous is what you are, pretzels. Thank you. Lorne Cardinal. Wow. On behalf of Peanuts, it's time for the bare knuckle round. We're asking whether pretzels beat peanuts in this salty debate with a twist. <laughs> if you deliver jokes that are as good as rolled gold, you'll leave your opponent knotted up and shell-shocked with a terrible case of peanuts envy. <laughs> still allowed, it's still allowed. Sorry to planters that visual in your heads, but it's come down to the crunch and frankly, we're pretzed for time, so. You two talk some snack now. Peanuts are useful. The shells are used in linoleum, plastics, cosmetics, and soap. And it's also an international currency which many, many, many Canadian entertainers have been paid in over the years. <laughs> Besides, elephants 
love them. And elephants are geniuses. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pretzels, you, we would not have psychoanalysis, psychotherapy, or psychiatry if it were not for the pretzel. Huh? 500 years ago, Vienna is besieged. In the basement, pretzel makers hear people trying to tunnel under the walls and their warning saves the city from destruction and subsequently the birthplace of Sigmund Freud. <laughs> what has the peanut ever done for world mental health? Well, Eric, peanuts have a comic strip and an animated series that ran longer than corner gas and brings joy to millions of people around the globe. All right. Oh, don't be such a jackass, Davis. <laughs> okay, that's the bear knuckle around, everybody. Oh, we got a great debate. Peanuts versus pretzels. Eric Peterson versus Lauren Cardinal. If you've just tuned in, you might think Corner Gas is now a radio show. <laughs> It's time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on pretzels versus peanuts, brought to you by the elephant in the room, who, if we're being honest, prefers peanuts. <laughs> we shouldn't take sides, because elephants never forget. <laughs> According to the Peanut Bureau of Canada, when are Canadians most likely to eat peanuts? Eric. I once worked for the Peanut Bureau of Canada. <laughs> And we found that Canadians were most likely to eat peanuts when all the cashews in the bowl had been picked through <laughs> and were gone. <laughs> Two and a half points. A lot, of, a lot of truth in that. Lauren Cardinal? Well, it's known that Canadians usually eat peanuts while making snow angels and listening to Anne Murray. It was well thought. It was well thought. No, according to the Peanut Bureau of Canada, when are Canadians most likely to eat peanuts? In the afternoon. <laughs> I don't think there should be a peanut bureau, and this doesn't help me. <laughs> according to pretzels.com, a Pennsylvania man named Julius Sturgis produced the first hard pretzels in 1850. Where did he get the idea? Lauren. Well, it's well known. He got drunk, fell down a well, and woke up with a twig in the mouth that he's been chewing on all night. I will give one and a half for that answer. Eric Peterson. Ah, this is a great story. Baker Sturgis, having weaponized a bag of weak old pretzels and rendered a would-be armed robber unconscious, sighed with satisfaction, and the hard pretzel was born. No. <laughs> he was given the recipe by a homeless man he made dinner for. <laughs> All I can pay you for that dinner is this old pretzel I have. And I'd like to give it to you just in gratitude for this lovely dinner. That's crazy, eh? <laughs> Only when Eric's here can we act out every answer. <laughs> <We d> <laughs> 
phillymag.com ranks peanuts and pretzels as two of the best snacks to eat at a baseball game. What is the worst snack to eat at a baseball game? Lauren. A scalding hot cup of French onion soup. <laughs> you don't want to be doing the wave with that. That cheese will stick to you. Good point. Eric? Now, the last ball game I was at, I took... <laughs> I took a jellied moose nose for a snack. <laughs> it wasn't a hit. Surprisingly, it's not jellied moose nose. Weird. They say uh, cotton candy, worst snack at a baseball game. What's this world coming to? <laughs> Where can you find both pretzels and peanuts living in harmony with one another? Eric? Well, there is a place <laughs> where competition for market share is forgotten and differences in taste, texture, and sodium levels are resolved. And it's in that great nuts and bolts party bowl in the sky. Pretty close. Pretty close. Lauren? Still a oh, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> Where can you find peanuts and pretzels living in harmony? Aurelia. <laughs> yeah, that's a beautiful Northern Ontario town. The actual answer, peanuts and pretzels live in harmony in a bag of Czechs party mix. That is the firing line, everybody. We are almost at the time when our audience has to make the difficult decision of who to vote for, but first, here with a handful of peanut-positive words, let's hear again from Lorne Cardinal. My friends, you have barely even nibbled upon the dark, sweaty, hairy, filthy, bloated, dirt-encrusted underbelly of the pretzel world. We still don't have any idea what hole these so-called pretzels crawled out of. If that's even their real name, pretzels. <laughs> we do know that these twisted snacks have some very, very, very dark secrets. Water, flour, yeast, sugar, and salt. That's five ingredients, just like the five stars of a pentagram. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. So basically, when you say, I like pretzels, what you're saying is, I love Satan. <laughs> but if you love wholesome goodness, Mother Earth, and want to go to heaven, vote peanuts. Lauren Cardinal believes in heavenly nuts. Now... Here to remind us why pretzels just cut the mustard for him with some street food for thought. Here he is, Eric Peterson. The snack food battle for the theological high ground continues. <laughs> George W. Bush's near choking on a pretzel demonstrates the pretzel's profound aversion for warmongers. <laughs> This superior trait could be useful today. Care for a pretzel, Mr. Putin? <laughs> More whim 
Musically, pretzels interlocking loops of inspired bathing suits and dance moves, and as a merry symbol of everlasting love, taught us to tie the knot. What is the peanut ever inspired? Anaphylactic shock! <laughs> and the deadly peanut butter sandwich. That's what the P in peanut stands for. Posthumous. <laughs> Clearly, pretzels are the superior snack. In fact, they are the mother superior snack. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know, I know. I couldn't resist. I'll just leave you with this quote from the old book, eh? It is easier for a camel loaded with pretzels to pass through the eye of a needle than for a calorie-rich peanut to enter the kingdom of heaven or win this debate, no matter how smoothly Lauren Cardinal has argued it. <laughs> Peterson, on behalf of pretzels, Lauren Cardinal, on behalf of peanuts, for anyone that is listening to this, it seems like it's about more. I know that, but it's peanuts versus pretzels, and it's this audience's time to vote. By applause, who thought that Lauren's debating the pros of peanuts was easy to swallow because he didn't choke on it, Lauren Cardinal. A lot of adoration for Mr. Cardinal. And who agreed with Eric's twisted logic on pretzels? Eric Peterson. The audience has spoken. They agree with Eric. It's pretzels over peanuts. Big hands for Eric Peterson and Lord Cardinal, everybody. You're listening to The Debaters on CBC Radio 1. Want to be a part of the debating action? For upcoming tour dates, visit cbc.ca slash the debaters. Hey, my name is Jamie Poisson, and I'm the host of Frontburner. It's the CBC's daily news podcast. And every day we're discussing the big events and fault lines shaping Canada and the world. Politics, economics, social movements, you name it. Sometimes we even talk about really fun stuff like the enduring relevance of Lord of the Rings. You can hear Frontburner on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Toronto, are you ready to meet your next pair of debaters? Yes, you are. I knew it. This comic finds drinking gallons of coffee day after day to be quite a grind. It's Courtney Gilmore. Courtney Gilmore returning to us again. Courtney. And this comic actually put buying a bucket on her bucket list. It's Kate Davis. Kate Davis, Toronto's own, the funny mummy herself. Debaters, your topic is something that we think you might dig. Plants. Are fake ones better than real ones? It's a good topic for right now, because at the time of this recording, spring has just arrived. Personally, my favorite combination of real and fake is watching The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Because everything about them is real fake. And from the little I've seen, a lot of the housewives and their husbands, frankly, have roughly the same IQ as houseplants. <laughs> Kidding. Houseplants engage in photosynthesis. Now, for a debate that'll give you all your chlorophyll of laughs. So, 
Whereas they last longer, cost less, and are significantly easier to maintain, be it resolved that fake plants are superior to real plants. Courtney, you're arguing for this, please. You have two minutes, starting now. Courtney Gilmore. Thank you, Steve. Convenient, stylish, affordable. Three words Torontonians haven't heard in the same sentence in over 200 years. <laughs> We're a people who ideally want the real deal with none of the expenses. We don't have this luxury with housing, children, donuts. <laughs> but you know what we do have it with? Plants. Fake is not inferior. Some of the best things in life are artificial. Insemination? <laughs> Intelligence? This whole debate was written by ChatGPT, so... <laughs> Artificial flavors are far superior. Have you ever tried real organic juice? It's terrible. You pay $14 for a bottle that tastes like spicy mud. Remember McDonald's orange drink? Yeah, it was a weirdly radioactive orange that was kind of concerning, but it was cheap, it tasted like candy, and when you put that big cooler outside on a hot day, it doesn't matter how many fresh flower beds are in bloom, guess where the bees are going? <laughs> that sweet nectar. Is there anything higher maintenance than plants? I had to water my neighbor's plants one time and it was the most stressful week of my life. How is it possible that an organism that only needs water can die faster than an iPhone 7? <laughs> they need sunlight, but not too much. They need a cool, dry location, but not too cool and not too dry. If you even look at a daisy the wrong way, it starts wilting. <laughs> We've let men fool us into thinking that they're doing a romantic gesture by getting us flowers, when really they're just sticking us with more responsibility. <laughs> they don't even give you a vase to put them in. People who buy you real plants want to see you fail. <laughs> they do. They want to see you fail. And their real intentions are hiding behind that sinister bouquet. And you know what the word for that is, Kate? Fake. Thank you. Courtney Gilmore, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Fake Plants. Now, here to give anyone who likes fake plants a fern talking to, it's the always authentic Kate Davis. Thank you, Steve. Guys, I was so excited for this debate, I wet my plants. <laughs> Fake plants, come on, are the worst. It's like vegetarians who want lentils shaped like tofurkey. You made your choice. <laughs> you are swapping something that is good for the environment, biodegradable, with something that creates more trash. Why? 
Why? So your fake friends can come over with their fake laughter <laughs> and tell you how good your fake plants look and how real they look? Come on, like we all did with Pamela Anderson's boobs back in the 90s? <laughs> fake plants do not cost less than dirt and seed. Come on, are you out of your tree? We live in Toronto. It's the dirtiest city in Canada. You want dirt? Open a window. <laughs> if imitation plants are so much cheaper than real plants, how come I don't have a bogus marijuana plant hiding behind my garage? <laughs> you know what, Courtney? Your home looks like a cheap motel. Yeah, your fake plants, which are ugly and are dusty. Because if you're not gonna water your plants, your fake plants, you are not gonna dust them. Oh, so much work. <laughs> Look, you can't talk to fake plants. That's senseless. Call them cute names like Ficky Smalls or my fave group of cactuses, the Prickles. <laughs> Look, we are living in a never-ending airborne pandemic, and plants literally take CO2 and give us oxygen as a treat. Do you hate oxygen, Courtney? Do you hate it? Oh my God, I shouldn't get mad. Oh my God, I take a deep breath. Oh my God, something I wouldn't be able to do if we didn't have plants. Thank you. Kate Davis. Kate Davis, keeping it real on behalf of Real Plants. Let's move on to the real bare knuckle round. We're debating whether fake plants are better than real plants, so let's go beyond the pale. Seriously, I'm not or kidding around here. I'm going to try to avoid getting bambooed off the stage, and then you two can breathe a bonsai of relief. Let's see how low you can go now. All right. You say people who give you real plants want to see you fail. That is not true. You know what we want to see you be? Authentic, Courtney. Okay. <laughs> you said plants are good for the environment. Yeah, so leave them there. It's so pretentious to pluck flowers from their home and then be like, I can take better care of this than the earth can. <laughs> Let me just say, we are one with the earth and plants. As a matter of fact, if I were a plant, Steve, I would be a succulent. Yeah, because I retain a lot of water. <laughs> and I hate the cold. But if Courtney was a fake plant, she would look great, but she would be dead inside. <laughs> oh, burn! <laughs> you gonna put some aloe on that? Oh, no, you prefer plastic. <laughs> All right, that's the bare knuckle round, everybody. This debate is about fake plants versus real plants. It is time now for the firing line. In my hand, I have a list of questions on fake plants versus real plants, brought to you by Christmas trees. <laughs> Christmas trees, real or fake? If it's still up in June, you need real help. <laughs> Here we go. 
JamaliGarden.com says when deciding to buy fake or real plants, ask yourself these questions. How often am I home? Will I be moving soon? And what? How okay. often am I home? Will I be moving soon? And should I tell the kids? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. There's a lot of parents here who want to applaud, <laughs> but they're here with their children. I'm going to give you two points. Courtney? Uh, how often am I home? Will I be moving soon? And why am I talking to myself? <laughs> also good. Also good. They say uh, the three questions you have to ask yourself, how often am I home? Will I be moving soon? And what level of maintenance am I looking for? Okay. <laughs> that, seems, that seems like dating advice, doesn't it? A plastic cactus that also sings and dances was pulled from Walmart's website after an Ontario grandmother complained that it did what? Kate. Reminded her of her late husband drunk at Christmas. <laughs> I'll give a point for that. It's pretty specific. I love this answer. A plastic cactus uh, that also sings and dances was pulled from Walmart's website after a grandmother complained that it swore in Polish and talked about using cocaine. <laughs> HouseDigest.com says that interior designers recommend mixing real plants with fake ones to achieve what effect? Courtney. The Kardashian effect. <laughs> oh, listen to that. The audience. Two and a half points. They like that one. Kate. Well, real and fake to achieve... Let's just say the big O. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, no, they say to mix real plants with fake ones to achieve a more natural look. <laughs> I, want, I don't want to tell House Digest how to do their jobs, but that's the firing line, everybody. It is almost time for our theater audience to pick a winner, but first, here again to dig up the dirt and aerate her beefs against fake plants, let's listen again to Kate Davis. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Why end it at fake plants? Why don't you have a whole fake life, Courtney? Toss some cat fur on a rumba. <laughs> Get a boyfriend pillow to go halfsies on a mortgage. Oh, wait, no, your generation is never going to own a house. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Look, <laughs> I am horrified that Courtney, a millennial, would defend fake plants. Aren't you guys a generation of authenticity? Isn't that why you took away my beloved Spanx? <laughs> Millennials get a lot of flack for killing industries, casual dining, department stores, diamonds, satire. Come on, they've ruined everything fun. I thought they were against all these industries, but I guess they just stopped watering them. <laughs> Look, between you and I'm probably gonna guess your six roommates, can't someone remember to spritz an air plant? You know what? Your generation doesn't deserve Zellers. <laughs> Thank you. 
Kate Davis. Wow, a lot, a lot came out there. Um, this has become, it's become a generational thing. Let's see what Courtney has to say. Here with an argument that much like her own fake plants, she believes will live forever. Let's hear again for Courtney Gilmore. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. It is also the highest form of crab meat. <laughs> Everyone loves a cheap knockoff. It makes you feel like you got away with something. People are always more impressed when they find out that plants are fake. Wow, these roses look so real. They're so lifelike. We want the illusion of reality, like Instagram filters. Fake plants look better than the real thing with zero effort. Fake plants will always be like their pictures. Let a fake plant be your Valencia filter tonight, Toronto. <laughs> Thank you so much. Courtney Gilmore, on behalf of the unchanging fake plant, and using a lot of words that do indeed prove you are a millennial. <laughs> Audience, there you have it. It is up to you to pick a winner by applause who thought that Courtney's fake plant fixation was the real deal. Courtney Gilmore. <laughs> okay, a lot of support for Courtney. And who believed that Kate didn't need any fake plants in the audience to get her real laughs about real plants? Kate Davis. It's close. It was well thought on both sides, but I gotta give this one to Courtney Gilmore. Fake plants over real plants. Big hand for Courtney Gilmore and the fantastic Kate Davis, everybody. Well, that's all for this week. I'm Steve Patterson saying if you have real plants or fake plants, don't forget to water them or fake water them. I'll argue with you again soon, Canada. Good night. The Debaters is created by Richard Side. This week's episode was produced by Josh Bailey, Graham Clark, Chloe Edbrook, Nicole Callender, and Tracy Rideout. With continuity by Graham Clark, Diana Francis, and Gary Jones. Technical production by James Perella and Chris Sampson. Story editing by Gary Jones. With special thanks to Katie Ellen Humphreys, Monique Curteau, and David Pride. Executive producer of CBC Radio Comedy is Lee Pitts. And thanks to everyone at the Glenn Gould Studio in Toronto. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.